You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Yeah, no one, man. Have a listen. Welcome back, everyone. We really hope you enjoyed the first half of the, the season review with the managers, Lee and Graham, and our esteemed stalwarts, Chris and Simon. Also hope you enjoyed your half-time pies, curry and chips, and pints. Coming up is the second half, which is equally, if not as good, in my opinion. Without further ado, enjoy the second half. Shabbat. Sometimes the, the, the atmosphere and the mood and the crowd can, can turn so quickly from being very kind of vocal and supportive and, and um, being optimism um, to round about the 60, 70 minute mark. And then all of a sudden it'll just change to a kind of a, a nervous kind of atmosphere. So I just wanted to ask you two guys whether, whether you pick that up, whether you feel that at all from where you're sitting. I don't, I don't know if Lee disagrees, but I don't particularly feel that. I think generally we've got fantastic support. And I'm not just talking about the numbers either there, Ronnie. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about the general um, positivity around the place. You know, we have had a, quite a few poor performances and, mm-hmm. and people have stu- stuck with us. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I, I don't feel as a, a kind of, apprehension going in the last 20 minutes or whatever if we're not leading um i don't know if lee disagrees or not i've never felt it no not 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 in that respect all i would add to that is that um i feel what there is at the club sometimes and, and i hope people right way because I, again i've just fully concur with graham you know we've got an amazing fan base not just in terms of numbers i actually think at times the crowd a little bit too easy on on, on, on us. Like yeah, I, we'll I, I genu- we'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no, but like you know, both me and Graham have had experience at other clubs. That, well, one of the common de- one of the common denominators for both myself and Graham is is, is Bly Spartans. And one thing's for sure, you know, there would be nigh on riots. You know, if you, I can remember being at Blythe. I'm sorry to go off track a little bit, but I remember being at Blythe. You know, before I came to Shields and. We were actually top of the league, top of the Evo Stick, well, what was the Evo Stick Prem at the time. And we were getting beat 2-0 off, I think it was, Stour Bridge at home in the first 10 minutes. And we were like five points clear in the league. It was like nearly a full-on riot in the stand because we were getting beat 2-0 after 10 minutes. Now, that just that kind of thing just doesn't happen at Shields and, and quite quite rightly so. But the point I'm trying to make is what, what I do feel there is at the club, and we've just got to be a little bit careful with this, is that there maybe is somewhat a sense of entitlement in mm. terms of, I think, because we have had such a such a such a rapid rise and such a huge amount of success over the last three, four years, mm. that some elements of our fan base feel like we have almost a God-given right just to turn up and win games of football. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think we've got to be really, really careful. We've got to be mindful to try and just put a lid on that a little bit. And just, um, do you know where I'm coming from, guys? I think. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can see that. I can. I can feel that. Not just see it when I'm in the crowd. There, there is a section of the crowd that does turn quite quickly, and you can hear the murmurs uh, that weren't there 
let's just say 20 minutes into the game where where we were doing well or or there was more time in the game so yeah I think it's about expectation as well yeah. I think that you mentioned before there's a lot of expectation we always said Ronnie after the first season that me and Graham obviously uh, presided over the team in, in 16 17 season we always said that our biggest challenge moving forward was to manage the expectation yeah. of, of, of the people around the club moving forwards. Yep. Yep. Um, now, uh, the probably the games where the fans may have turned, um, uh, we could say uh, the home games against Witten, Nantwich, and the Morpeth Cup game. Um, Bad results, um, and they. I guess that was the little spell where there was just that kind of hmm, something in right. That was just again just perception. Sai, you mentioned something off air when we spoke earlier today about about or was it you, Ronnie, about supporters? Where maybe talk about naysayers, Sai? Yeah, well, it was just well, it was. Well, the after-match interview from Nant, which which you did, Lee, with, with Dan, and you yeah. referred you referred to naysayers, um, doubters. You know, it's 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 well known you guys don't do social media. So, did, when you referred to the naysayers and doubters, was there a sort of a, a hum of, from the supporters behind the dugouts and stuff? Was that who you were referring to, or, or you know, because obviously you won't you won't read it on Facebook or anything like that. Yeah, no, listen, Simon, um, look, although myself and Graham aren't on, um, don't have personal accounts on, on social media, Yeah, we obviously work with people who, who do. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> you, of course, you you know, you hear, you hear things that are being put out there. Yeah. You know, I, I know Graham particularly, and obviously Graham will give you his take on, on everything. Um, I think it's I think it's the right thing for us to do, not to take too much notice, although... I'm probably contradicting myself a little bit because I was almost, you know, I think sometimes creating a little bit of a siege mentality, Simon, can be in a over a short term period, can mm-hmm. be a, can be a useful tool, and yes. I think sometimes the messages that we deliver in those interviews are just as much for the players, or if not yes. more for the players yeah. than what they are for the general public that are that are, that are watching them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I personally. At that moment in time, and sometimes straight after a game is not a great time to do an interview because right. emotions, emotions are running high. Because I, I, I think you know, like most of the time, if you, if you look at the top level of the game, Premier League and stuff, they're, they're absolutely pointless because it's the same spiel from everyone. It's the same formulaic questions and formulaic yeah, answers. Yeah. Well, and we so, try to be honest. We try yeah, to be honest. I, I, and to be fair to, to you guys, you know, I was a bit critical of, of that interview of you, Lee, and I was a critical of Dan, and in hindsight. I, I was a bit unfair on Dan. Um, I still stand by the, the, what I was getting at in an old podcast, but um, you were obviously hurting after that game. And so, yeah. you know, and I've just watched the interview again, again this afternoon. And you, you know, you, you, and when you, you know, months later, you watch it again, and um, it, it wasn't as bad as I, I sort of, of, of I felt at the time. Um, you were, you were nothing but honest, you know. And I could see the Simon attitude. Yeah. yeah, what Simon? What happened in the pre, the the following six league games after that game? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. You, you know, I think sometimes you got to fire yourself up. You got to fire 
the, the key people around you up. And hey, look, I look back at that interview and think, oh, you know, wasn't my was my greatest hour. But at the same at the same time, I think there's some elements of that interview that I'm I'm, I'm like I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Well, knowing now that the results that came after it, you know, I've 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 watched it with a different you know different pair of eyes, if you like. And it was, you know, it was great to be honest. You know, the, the reaction you got was, was perfect. You know, it was well, we, we've, we've talked around this as a coach and stuff. You know, one of the phrases we've been using a lot recently is, "It's not what happens to you that matters. It's the lens with which you, with which you see it through, mm. that, that 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 determines your, your what you take from any given situation. Mm-hmm. The same the same words, the same actions." Can mean completely some, something completely different to, to one person to another, and I was, you know, I was told afterwards that, you know, in some way, shape, or form, it may, what I said or what I did in that interview might have offended or upset some of our fans, and that was literally uh, my last last ever intention, you know, to, mm. to do to do that. I hope yeah. the fans understand how much we appreciate them, and yeah. I think that was never ever intended to. To have a go at the fans whatsoever, I, I just just felt like you know well that the, the, there is as you've said yourself there is an element out there that turns quite quickly and you know will will literally jump on anything and and, mm-hmm. and 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 to some extent and there's a lot of people I would argue outside of our club who can't wait for us to trip up as well and <laughs> and, I, and I think you know I mean I think I mentioned at the time in the interview that you know. My focus, and you know, I'm sure Graham's focus and everybody else's focus was just to prove, prove, prove those people wrong. Use use that as your fuel, as, as your energy to to you know to to prove those people wrong. And although we didn't ultimately get what we wanted at the end of the season, I think to a large extent through that period we did prove people wrong. Yeah, absolutely, Ronnie. Yeah, I, I think that I mean the majority of the we've got the pleasure of um, commentating and. And making comments on the podcast for of great things and positive things and great performances we have done for the last three years that we've done it. And I think this particular podcast after the Nantwich game, I think because we did it very far, very close to the, after the game, emotions were high with everyone, right? And we all want the same thing. And I think we we kind of debated that and we were critical at times, but I think at the end of it, we there was there was always kind of a I thought it was a make or break and I think there was always going to be that opportunity and and chance of kicking on and and obviously we did so I was going to ask what were the because it was brilliant how we turned that around what were the key aspects of um of that turnaround well I think it comes down to obviously the, the set of results Lee's obviously brought up social media and not that we're on it, but we knew we were getting pelters from all sides, but that doesn't yep. really change anything. For for us, we just want to win games of football. So we just went through a process of, again, doing our um, analysis, talking to players, getting inside the heads, just the same thing of yeah. um, what we normally do um, and just trying to find those extra percentages to get right. So going back, Chris, to the, the games you were talking about, the Witten game, was massively disappointing because they did the league double over us and that doesn't often happen That's right. in the last four years. So that was disappointing there. But if we look at the other two games, the Nantwich game, if you can remember, 
obviously the result was massively disappointing, but we were on top in that game. They scored an absolute worldy against the run of play. We should have been ahead in the game and the game would have been completely different. And second off, we completely lost our way trying to get back into it, committing bodies forward and they, yeah. they hit us on the counter-attack. So the result was was a bit of a fallacy, to be quite honest. Yeah. It was, it was way not, not a true reflection on how the game went. And then the Morpeth game, if I remember right, yes, it, obviously it hurts us to get beat off Morpeth. <clears throat> but in that game, we played fairly well for the first half an hour, 35 minutes. Yeah. We were right on top and we should have been out of sight by half-time. And we just weren't clinical enough. And again, listen, I'm not going to use the excuse that we played a lot of young lads because Morpeth did as well. They played quite a few changes. They didn't have anywhere near their strongest team out. Um, and we lost our way in the second half. Um, but yeah, going back to the question about bouncing back, we we never stopped believing in the group of players. You know, as, as, as many negative things that were coming out through that, that whatever it was, five, six-week period, we never doubted the lads. We, mm-hmm. know, we know how good they are. Um, and it was just a case of keep telling them that um, we will, we'll get it right. Um, and like you say, those last six six results were, were fantastic. Just yeah. prior to those six results, Graham Lee, um, one game that stood out for me was the Lancaster game away. Um, when um, Lee in particular, you um, were particularly um, happy, should I say, um, afterwards. That's unusual. <laughs> yeah, um, you were rather you were um, you were well, you were aggressively punching the air in front of the fans. Um, that game um, was that reaction from from yourselves uh, a kind of a because this was be- before the real kind of little blip, as it were. Was it a reaction to the way we'd been kind of not treated, but the way the opposition had? You know, really put the the the, the put the foot in to, to be to be honest, um, and we had to withstand a lot of physicality in that game. Um, John Shaw appeared to be assaulted on a couple of occasions. Was that just an outpouring of kind of get in, we've done it? I think it was because if you remember at the time, it was first week, second at the time, um, yes. away from home, um, and I think it was because of the. The conditions and the state of the pitch. We had to win Oakley. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we won that game through yes, a couple of moments of, of real quality from us, but also we won that game in large down to like an unbelievable level of work ethic, determination, competitiveness, resilience, and again, I think all I just felt at the time, and I, you know, I'm sure Graham felt feels the same just felt like we'd shown that we could we, there's more more than one we had the ability to skin a cat more than one way do you know, yes. do you know what I mean? and and that's that's what all the great sides you know i'm not i'm not trying to say we're a great side by the way before anybody reads into <laughs> that you know but that's what all the great sides have the ability to do to you know to win games different ways and i just felt like that epitomized that probably more than any other game that season yeah Graham, you tend not to be as kind of um, vocal after, you know, <laughs> celebrations after games. You're not quite as active as Lee on, on some occasions. You seem to be the quieter one. Is that is that a fair reflection? I don't know. Maybe different in the dressing room. I don't know. <laughs> but um, going back to that Lancaster game, I think the way they the way they celebrated when they came to uh, to our place. 
and won. Um, obviously leaves a bit of taste. And it was the same in um, the Nantwich game um, when they came to Mariners and won. Um, mm. You know, we, we probably talked about in the in the interview afterwards about the way the way they celebrated. Um, and it does; it gets you riled and it gives you extra incentive to to win. But um, no, I'm, look, I'm, I, I'm, I think Leal agree. I'm fairly passionate at times. I just not maybe not in front of uh, in front of the crowd. <laughs> we'll leave it till we get in the dressing room. But um, yeah. We're we're all different. Um, I believe me. Whenever we win a game of football, I'm absolutely over the moon. Just love winning. Good man, Ronnie. The one the one thing I I do remember about which was coincided with that absolutely brilliant run towards the end where the team was just clicking. The, the sum of the football we played at the end was the the best I've ever seen from the South Shields side. It was tremendous to watch, and you know, it brought like just brought everything back to the fans and the club and kind of realise this is what this is what this club can achieve was um, we seem to just get a, a bit more width in the play and I think that coincided with Blair Adams coming back um, I think he's like I don't know if you agree but I, I see him as a as an absolute key to that team to provide that width and that attack and obviously he's, a, he's such a such a great player and got such a great um history and experience around him. Um I did I did notice that Blair just give that extra dimension forward and back and just being there in the team. I don't know if if you guys kind of noticed that as well. He's a top top player and again when you when you have some of your top players unavailable for three months of the season then it's mm-hmm. it's gonna hurt you or any other team for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know with the you know, if you're talking about the end of the season, we did play with more with Ronnie. You know, in terms yeah. of structurally, you know, we 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 actually played with two out and out wide men. Whether it was, yeah. you know, Barley and Josh in the yeah. case of the, the FC United game, um, or you know, we had Dominic McHale for for for, for a short period of time, um, who who give us give us some width um, on 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 one of the sides, um, and again, it's you know when you bring someone like Barley into the club. Um, it's just about finding a way of best utilizing, or using, looking across the whole group, and, and working out how you best utilize the resources that you have at your disposal, so to speak. And look, um, it gave us some food for thought because we predominantly played four diamond two for the majority of the time yeah. that we've been in charge at the side. And again, we can't speak ill of that because you look at the amount of success that we've had using that system consistently. But I think, and Graham goes on about this a lot, you know, being adaptable as a side and being able to play more than one system effectively really does give you an extra dimension because I think potentially what a few teams have done now is kind of worked worked out how to try and negate our, our attack and threats using, using that system a little bit. And I'm not saying there's not a time and place for using the 4-4, four, four, four diamond two moving forwards because we, we undoubtedly will, but I think um, again, you know, sometimes particularly at Mariners. Ironically, I think you know because if we if we can stretch the opposition back line a little bit wider, then it creates better yep. spaces for us to to exploit. And yep. um, but you know, it's again, there's always fine margins in games. You can't say, oh well, we won that one because we played this system. You know, it is the top bond is usually you you win it on the day it's as simple as that um yes there's percentages to be had 
in terms of, you know, looking at how the opposition set up, you know, can you exploit some weaknesses, identify areas that you can that you, that you can really go at. Um, but ultimately, it's, you know, a, a lot of it's down to how, how well, uh, you know, your players play individually on, on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that spell, though, post, well, um, it was the Grantham game uh, in the Hurricane down there. Which I commentated on, um, and that that was the game where, um, given the conditions, it w- it was almost like men against boys. We were that good. You could see, actually in the first half. I mean, I was up in the stand commentating, but you could actually s- almost see an absolute difference between the two sides. How much better than them we were, no matter which way the wind was blowing. Um, and I felt that at half time we were desperately unlucky to go in level. We should, we should, you know, um, we should have been two or three goals clear. We were desperately unlucky. Um, but I, that, it was also a game where I felt that we're going to win this. We're going to win this. Um, chances would come. Um, Dominic McHale uh, played that that game. Um, had he been on the radar for a while, Graham? Um, I'm trying to think now. Where did where did Dom come on the radar from, Lee? Um, is that the an agent? Team? An agent got in touch yeah. with you, didn't they? And because uh, Dom, 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 Dom had been released from Oldham Athletic, hadn't he? Yeah. Right. Um, Dom's got real, real ability. Um, I think the, the thing with Dom, we would have, would have liked to kept him hanging around, but contrary to, to so what some people believe, Chris, we we have to work within a budget. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we, we brought them in when we had a couple of people still with injuries, and then we had to, when we got them back from injury, we, we had to make a decision. Um, and at the time, we just thought that um, we probably had enough to to see through the the rest of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But Dom is someone we 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 might well have a chat with um, in coming weeks and months. But um, look, it's. Uh, that that game at Grantham was it was it was really tough conditions. First half I thought we did really well and, and obviously disappointed to concede that goal towards the end of the, the first half. Um, but the second half was just we were just camped out in the half, weren't we? And mm-hmm. uh, it was just a case of being patient. You know, it was uh, yeah. one of them where we kept on getting little sniffs here and there, and and ultimately it was those two wide players who, who made the difference, and, and mm-hmm. Dom and Josh Gillies. Um, yes. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fantastic result in those conditions. It was indeed, and that was when Josh was just coming. You know, he'd, he'd come back from his hernia. Um, a very. I was just sorry, Chris. I was just about to say again another example of you know a top top player um, who was you know really key to potentially how the way we we play. Who was lost to us for you know mm. for a significant portion of the season. Luke Daly being another one, you know. I think, you know, everybody feels for, for Luke. And, you know, just a quick update on Luke, because obviously we've been keeping in touch with everybody. Luke's recovery has been going fantastically well. You know, the surgeon, the doctors, the physios are all really happy with his progress. He's, you know, obviously there's a big question mark over when we're actually going to get to start pre-season and or start the season proper. But let's just say it follows the usual timeline. I think there's a, you know, Luke could well be, you know, back to training, you know, at the back end, you know, with the full squad at the back end of pre-season. So it's, you know, it, things are, you know, really positive about Luke coming back. Obviously, John Shaw missed a, a lot of, you know, a high yeah. number of games this, this season. These are all, you know, big, massive, massive players in our in our, in our team. Um, 
And then, you know, Gary Brown missed it, you know, a number of t- games at key times. Um, and so, look, we, we feel like looking back on the season as a whole, um, yes, there's a million things we can we can learn from, but actually, we we feel we did pre- we, we feel we did pretty well, all things considered. Well, I mean, we've yeah, always we yeah. we've said on numerous occasions, with many people say it, when you get to like March and April, league tables don't lie. Um, we said early in the season with the the way that we'd gone with the hybrid model, full time players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, we'd be look we 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 would be you know looking to win the league comfortably, maybe nine to twelve points, and there we are, we're <laughs> twelve points clear when things stop. Um, and and what I wanted to touch on was, as you said earlier, the, the squad evolved. The squad was in a better place than it was at the start of the season with the arrivals of, in no particular order, um, Sefton Gonzalez, Dominic McHale, Darius Asai, Vauta Verstraten, Callum Ross, and then, of course, Barley Mumba. Um, so it's unlikely we'll get Barley back. Um Dominic McHale's gone. Um, overall, were you happy with the business you did throughout the season? Like you said earlier on, Chris, we, we felt like the squad was stronger at the, at the end of the season than it was at the start. Mm. Um, but yeah, there were those players, like I said to you before, Dom, we're just not sure what's going to happen with Dom. Barley, you just never know in football. Mm-hmm. We'll, just, we'll have to wait and see what happens there because... Um, one thing I do know is that Barley really, really enjoyed his time with us. It was only a short period of time, um, but I think he enjoyed the real competitiveness of it um, yeah. rather than the the kind of um, 23s football he'd been been used to. Um, obviously, it's, it's kind of well known that Sunderland have, have lost quite a few games in the 23s, so he might have been getting a little bit disheartened. Yes. Uh, but he's, look, he came, came to us and he did exceptionally well. Walter, you touched on. Um, Walter, we, we actually spotted him playing for Durham Uni and, and he really impressed us. So we brought him in. Walt has shown some really, really good things since he's been at the football club. Um, obviously, Lee's talked about Darius and, and our high high hopes. Obviously, he's another one who suffered from an injury, only only came in the door yeah. and he got injured pretty much straight Unbelievable. Um, which is something we have to address um, over the off-season to and see how we can improve on those things um, going into the next season. Um, yeah, is there anything in particular, Graham or Lee? You know, the, the amount of injuries we've had is. Ugh, I mean, there won't be any common denominator, of course. But looking back, could could it have been maybe fatigue or is there anything that stands out that that worries you in any way? Um, I mean, for, for me, there was quite a few different injuries. You know, if you go into Luke, Luke Luke's was unavoidable. Um, yes. Blair's was pretty much unavoidable. It was a twisted ankle. There's, you know, if you just put put your foot wrong, you can twist your ankle, and that was that wasn't something we could do anything about. It's, the ones we've got to address are kind of the ones whether they are fatigue through muscle injuries. They're the ones we have to look at. Um, if you get breaks or um, ligament damage, that it's very very rare you can do things about those sort of things. So it's just really looking at the the soft tissue injuries that we're getting and, and seeing if there's any trends and seeing if we can do anything in yeah. regards to the training we do um, to negate that. Yeah. Um- so clearly, you guys were very happy with the squad um, going through um, going through into March, and obviously there was that wonderful um, performance against FC United, um, which um, kind of 
just really reinforced and put a, a rubber stamp on where we were at that particular time with 12 points clear. Um, one, of the, um, one of the pleasing things to have heard from, from Jeff, I mean, Jeff Thompson's been very active on various podcasts and programs over the last few weeks. And one of the things that I think stood out for a lot of supporters is the fact that happily, the vast majority, if not all of the squad, um, are, st are staying with the club. Um, so that squad of players, you've already touched upon it, Lee, that um, you, you're very excited looking for, you know, for whenever football restarts, you'll be very, very excited with the squad that we've got. Bearing in mind, we're going to get a brand new player in, well, touch wood, Luke Daly. You know, we mm -hmm. haven't had him for a year. Yep. Um, but in terms of future recruitment, um, one appointment that has been made recently uh, is the appointment of David Lynch. Yeah. Um, so without, obviously, you, you'll not want to, I don't want to get, don't want you to spill any beans and kind of yeah. bring any confidences and stuff, but just what will he bring to the recruitment process for you as, as managers, as, as kind of help? So, again, this has just been another kind of really unfortunate set of circumstances with, with what's happened, um, you know, with the, with the COVID virus, um, and the shutdown of the season. We felt we, you know, we brought David in at just the right time mm. uh, because, uh, as a club in our minds, what we wanted to do was utilise the last two, three months of the season for for us to sit down with David. And David's been absolutely first rate, by the way, since he's come in the club. He's done some outstanding work already. Um, you know, especially given the, the, you know, the trying circumstances that we all find ourselves in. But we spent a lot of time discussing how we wanted the recruitment process to look like at our football club. Mm -hmm. Because until you have a resource like David on board, really, it's it's very, very difficult with the with the commitments that myself and Graham have to actually go out and do that, you know, do the recruitment side properly. That's why professional clubs have, have whole recruitment departments. Mm. So, you know, to, to get these key, and they are absolutely key decisions, right? Because... You're in the lap of the gods in terms of luck. Sometimes, you know, we yeah. we have had hit hit and miss this season. You know, Jordan and Nia came in, and you know, great lad, you know, some potential there, but didn't quite work out. Samuel Lucy came in again. That was a, a punt. You know, we had to. You know, we we had a need at the time, and unfortunately, that that didn't work out. Um, you know, Adam Thurston. Didn't quite work out. Robinson McCormick didn't work out. Milanagali hasn't really worked out. Um, and really, you can never get it 100% right on the recruitment side. There's always there's always going to be errors along the way, and that's been shown at every football club since the Ed dot. But um, so the, the plan was for David to use the last two three months of the season to go out and really earmark potential targets for us. Well, that that opportunity has been taken from us. Yeah. How, how, how do you identify players without being able to watch them play? Um, but what we have done is, is is really worked hard, David especially, obviously, on on really coming up with a, a, a fantastically sound process moving forwards. And um, I guess the advantage, as Graham mentioned earlier, is that we're at a level of football where there are no transfer windows, so we can effectively evolve the squad as we move forwards. Yes. Um but David is an absolutely key addition to our football club and the initial, you know, all the initial work that he's done, you know, 
bodes extremely well for us moving forwards. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Graham will, will, will want to add his his bit on that as well. I just completely concur with it. It's um, he's been fantastic since he came in. Um, we're hugely excited by it. Um, you know, we do try to get out with a few games here and there across the season, but um, you know, generally the teams you want to watch are either playing on a Tuesday night when you are or a Saturday when you can't get away. So, um, yeah. it's it is difficult, but um, like you said, the processes you're putting in place are, uh, are fantastic, and hopefully that will just offset those mistakes we've made over the over the last four years. Um, mm-hmm. We do it with best intentions, and we we do our research, but. You know, a lot of it's been done on, like, you know, you get sent lots of highlight reels and players players look good on a highlight reel. What we've come to realise is if you can't make yourself look good in a highlight reel, you're really struggling, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a lot more in-depth what, what David's doing, and um, I'm sure the club will benefit massively because of it. Fabulous. Ronnie? I was going to say that um, the thing that has massively improved this season from last is the away form. It's like, the away form has been absolutely tremendous. Is there is there something that you can kind of put your finger on for for why that may, might be? We've been better out of possession. Okay. Right. Yeah. We 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 did a lot of work, a lot of work, um, with the with the players with the team, um, particularly in the early stages of the season around our around our defensive shape and our defensive transitions. Yep. And um, and defensive set pieces as well. Now, look, we were we were actually really disappointed, like towards the second half of the season, that we started to concede quite a few goals again from defensive set pieces. But if you look at our record in the first half of the season, we were yep. we we were we were nigh on immaculate. Um, yep. Lee, can I just stop and just say that that's what we said earlier about when Gary Brown got injured. You know, Gary and Dylan had been like rock solid in front of Miles. And mm-hmm. I think it was when when Gary, I think it just broke that equilibrium a little bit when it it, it never quite got back to where it was. Although, albeit the, the record was still excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you've always got to put things into context. You know, again, you hear things that people put out there sometimes, and people are saying, "Oh, you know, when when are these guys going to learn to defend?" And like, you know, I was thinking, well, have a look at the league table and tell me. Out of the other 21 teams in the league, you tell me how many of those teams have even got a defensive record that's even close to ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you know, again, we're not we're not dealing with perfect footballers or perfect coaches or managers. By the way, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're going to make we're going to make mistakes. We try our best to, to set the team up. And look, I don't mind saying, you know, we feel based on the level that we're at that we're actually pretty good at what we do, um, and we are very thorough. We're very thorough and we feel that we're very professional with what we do. There's always room for improvement. Um, and But, you know, I think we did do a lot of work, particularly early part of the season, on our defensive shape and our defensive transitions. Defensive transitions um, and, and it obviously paid dividends for us. Yeah. I think I'm looking at the league table now and we only conceded 34 goals. Baseford is probably closer with 39, but they've only scored 49 and we've scored 64. So, and only lost six. So, overall, yeah. you can't complain with that. It's a superb season. Absolutely. Um, what, I've always been wanting to ask you guys 
uh, about this um, whenever we've got the chance to talk and now we've got it. One of the names which very, very rarely gets bandied about, but from what I can see, is a huge, huge figure in the club is, is, is Brian Smith. Now, big Brian kind of ducks under the radar, um, but he's been with the club now for, what, 16 months or so, 17 months, 18 months. Um, what did he bring to the club? Because he came to the club prior to the hybrid thing and you were still coaching the academy at that time. What did he bring to, to which really helped you in various ways? Um, Bryce, just just a top top fella. He understands people first and foremost. Chris, he, mm-hmm. yeah. he gets inside players' heads and he, he deals with them particularly well. Um, you know, Bryce will be the first to admit he doesn't tell himself and lay everything because he doesn't feel it's right, but he'll tell us what he feels is 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 applicable. Um, mm-hmm. And he has the, the lad's confidence. Um, he's just he's just fantastic person to have around um, the football club. He's keen. Um, he has a really good knowledge of the game, and um, we're delighted um, to to have him. You know, there's been occasions where we've kind of asked Bright to maybe do an interview here and there, but he just does not want to be in front of the camera. So no. he's not one of them type of people who wants to kind of um, be in the limelight. But he's he's fantastic for the football club. Does he? Uh, obviously, uh, my knowledge of non-league football and w- when he was playing isn't great because I kind of had fallen out with football actually. But um, was he a defender? Yeah, yeah. So um, is he someone who will actually just tell you something during a game that maybe you might have missed? Is that that kind of relationship that you enjoy? Yeah, that, well, that's certainly one one of the. One of the elements that, that Brian brings to the table, but like like Graham's just touched on, you know, Brian for me just executes that that um, a middle sounding board, if you like, role like exceptionally well. So he 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 mediates things with the players, he mediates things with with myself and Graham, and just gives a a really honest, level headed perspective on mm-hmm. on things. And I think like Graham touched on. The players um, respect them implicitly, you know, yeah. enormously, um, because Brian is just he is just straight down straight down the line, um, yeah. and we are we're we're blessed to have him on board. We we, we really are. Um, he's 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 just like I say, he's got a, a lot of experience in the game, but his. He's got lots of strengths, but his overwhelming strength, um, to concur with what Graham said, is that he, he understands people. Obviously, it's part of, his, part of his job, you know, to to, to work people out. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, if uh, if anybody's up to no good in the dressing room, then he finds, <laughs> you know, he's uh, he finds out what's he finds out what's going on, and you know, but he's got a great he's got a great sense of humour, and so he couples all those things together to. You know, to make the players feel at ease, like you know, he's not a he's not a spy in the in, in the camp. And me and Graham don't ask him to be a spy in in the camp. Um, we we respect the players enough. We respect our change room enough to to, to know that actually there's there's a there's a good level of policing itself within mm. within our within our dressing room, and that's how every good dressing room should should be. Um, but yeah, Brian 
Brian's been a tremendous addition to, to the football club. Good stuff, Si. Yeah, I was just going to say, because that, that trust you have in, in Brian, is that one of my notice points this season is that one of you guys, it's, um, certainly in the first half of matches, you'd go and sit in the stand and, and, and watch games from there and one would stand up. Is it because like the, there's the, the trust in the legs of Brian there? You can sort of take yourself away from the touchline? Or what was the thinking behind? From my point of view, I've always felt that managers probably should be sat in the stand. You, 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 know, you get a better viewpoint of a game. And how sh- how how the game's shaping up, but what was the thinking behind that? As you say, it was yeah, just that to get a better viewpoint. Um, you sometimes miss things when you're at, at ground level. Um, so yeah, part of it is we we trust Bright to be there. The other part is to to get a better viewpoint. But we're look, when we're sat in the stand, we're still in contact with each other via phone. So it's um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's only only the other side of the pitch. But um, it's um, it's served us quite well this season. So it's, it's been useful. Carried on. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, you, you, you do, you just get a different perspective of the game, I think, and um, it's been, it has been beneficial on quite a few occasions. Yeah. One of the worries we had um, going uh, early part of the season was with the, having the new hybrid model, so you had a, a collection of full-time players and a collection of part-time players, there was always that fear that there could be like a click formed between oh. the full-time and part-timers. It appears that just hasn't formed. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, on both parts, you know, we had that fear as well. You, yeah. you know, or, or just that, um, that you know, anxiety, you know, how it was going to pan out. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have watched the, um, the you know, the the, uh, the Salford City documentary. And although they are obviously ultimately went on to be successful, i.e. Winning, winning the league that season or getting promoted, you could see that that had quite a negative effect on their dressing room when there was a realisation that there was a split and some players were going to stay and some players were going to we're going to go um but no we, we've always been open you know we've never set a definitive timeline quite rightly in terms of when we kind of push that transition on if you know what i mean mm-hmm. our, our our perspective our viewpoint is that if you know those lads that are what you class as part-time players at the, at the club they bring a whole wealth of experience and quality you know and skill skill sets that that we'd be foolish just to go, all right, well, just because we want to go down this, you know, this particular model, you know, we're just going to cut that off or cut that out of the the, the club. And again, you know, we feel like the models actually work quite, quite well. Uh, well, it has worked well. And um, the league table says that. Yeah. And um, so we've not, we've set no definitive timeline on, on when we kind of um, move that, slide that you know slide that bar further along the spectrum if you know what i mean um but yeah the uh you're always you're always um really reliant on the players at the top end of you you know in terms of your experience within the within the dressing room we've been blessed you know in the early days we had obviously the likes of julio and 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 john and, and people like that you know but you know, people like you, your Phil Turnbulls and your, your Gary Browns and your Robert Briggs, is, uh, people like Craig Baxter, um, you know, Josh, Lee Mason, you know, these lads are obviously still with us on what we class as a part-time basis, but the balance that they bring to the dressing room is, is fantastic and um, they're all still top, top players. So um, we, we've had a really united dressing room. Um, again, moving forwards, Another area can we 
can we improve that even more in terms of how we how we get that spirit and, and togetherness even stronger moving moving forwards? Mm-hmm. Si? I was just going to say, given the, the the current hybrid model, is there still room for recruitment of part time players, or in, will will all future recruitment be full timers? Um, if, if there's a good player who comes along who we see that's going to benefit the team and he, he can only go part time, we would definitely consider. Yeah. yeah. So we're just trying to improve the improve the team, improve results all the time. So um, we'll just address each. Uh, each one has on its own merits, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, though, the 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 actual the, the casting of the net has had to go wider as we go through the leagues. You know, there's only a certain amount of players in the northeast who can commit or are good enough. So clearly, you've done that. Um, as it stands at the moment, gents, um, obviously we're still up in the air as to when football will return. How are the players coping um, fitness-wise? Have they got any programmes at the work? I'm mean, sure he mentioned because John was brilliant when he joined us a few weeks ago, and he 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 said he's talked about how they were just ticking over a little bit. They'd been given a few little plans here and there. Um, as uh, how, how are the players at the moment in terms of fitness? Yeah, well, at the minute um, we're just keeping in touch with them for general chit chats, and obviously that'll be one of the the main kind of converse, parts of the conversation of what you're doing and um, yeah. kind of just to keep yourself ticking over. But look, we're, we're now at the stage where the earliest we can get started is um, is probably July. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the lads have got to also have a have a break. Now I know it's going to be an extended break and they can't let the fitness go too too much. But we've generally got a very, very professional set of, set of lads and, the, you know, they like doing their the fitness work. Um there's, there's some exceptional athletes in in the dressing room as well, so um, they are looking after themselves. And they, through, the, through the conversations we've had, um, they all seem to be staying pretty sane as well at the minute. So um, that's amazing. Good, good. Sai, I was just going to say, like in terms of the athletes, I mean, Blay Adams ran a mile in five minutes forty last week, so he's he's in decent shape. Ah, but you, doing you, like. uh, you beat him though, didn't you, Sai? Yeah, I did, but I'm not going down that line. <laughs> what, did, what did Dylan do? Pickers, you did three. Three miles in eighteen minutes. Three miles in eighteen minutes. Yeah. But he was he was running all downhill though. So. <laughs> Still good going. Still good. Still good going. Four minutes fifty sign. Not bad for a forty-five year old. Yeah. Um, we'll leave it there. Aye, we will. Um. So one of the things that actually it's it just slipped your mind completely. You know, the academy lads last year, uh, this time, um, Aaron and, and and Callum were given contracts. Um. We've almost missed the fact that we've had some international recognition with our academy lads, um, Matty Wade and was it Joe Lockie? Yeah. Um, will they still be classed as academy players this? Whenever the next season starts, are they still eligible to be academy lads? Yes. So Good. they will be under 19s next next season. Smashing. Um, so yeah, we've got to, you know we've got to really strong crop coming through and and you know one of the benefits of of, of um you know Wes and John almost having that well I know obviously John doesn't have a, a singular focus because he's still playing but it just from a coaching perspective I guess you know obviously it, um, you know it was tough for me and Graham at times to, to have that split coaching focus where we're essentially trying to get the best out of six, 60 players 60 plus players you know 40 in the academy 
20, 20 plus in the, in the, in the first team. Um, but one thing that John, well, one thing amongst many things that John and Wes have done really, really well this season is they've, they've worked really, really hard on the recruitment of the next wave of players to come into the, you know, the bottom end of the 16 and 19 academy and uh, coupled with, you know, like I say, the, the, the really strong gains that a lot of the, the, the lads who've been part of the academy this year have made. You know, the, the future is extremely bright for the academy moving forwards. You know, um, third round proper of, of the FA Youth Cup, which was an incredible run from them. And um, like I say, a number of, of, of academy players getting some first team exposure along, along the way, along the season, will only you know, put them in good stead. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to continue to push on as fast as we can um, with, with all areas of the club. And hats off to, to, to Jeff and Keith and the guys behind the scenes because it's not an opportunity you get at every football club to, to almost have that, not free reign, but to be valued enough and to be trusted enough to go, right, lads, come on, like, let's see if we can like really develop mm-hmm. this football club across the board. And, you know, me and Graham have really enjoyed that side of things as well. Um, as well as the, you know, just the purely the first team stuff, just being part of a club where, which has got a really progressive mentality, or, you know, a hugely community orientated um, football club. And one thing I just want to say, yeah, you know, I, I know a lot of people were aware that, that a number of us kind of, made phone calls to, to season ticket holders a, a few weeks ago. And the only reason I bring that up is because what it did for me personally, Chris, was just just fully reinforce um, the realisation and the understanding of just how important this football club is to so many people in the, in the community. And, you know, just the, the gratitude for, for what the club does for them and, and, the, and the people around them and, and it was just—it was a really humbling experience, actually, yeah. to to spend you know a lot of time on the phone with those people. Yeah. I know Graham and John and Jeff and everybody else felt exactly the same way. Um, we actually got just as much from the phone calls, if not more, than what the, the people receiving the calls did. And it was a a really humbling experience. And uh, you know, I really look forward to seeing a lot of those faces again when, when we yeah. finally get to meet again at, at Mariners Park. Yeah. Quite, clearly, quite emotional as well. And Graham, you know, it must be—it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way thing, and I guess you know, for you guys going to work every day, you must look forward to just going to work every day, doing what you enjoy doing. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic job. No, no two ways about it. Um, I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to be in around football for um, not full time all the time, but since the age of sixteen, so getting on thirty years now, and it's it's a it's huge. It can be tough at times. Chris, it can be frustrating. Um, obviously, it can it can get on top of you at times because it is full on. But um, more than anything, it's just generally hugely enjoyable. You get to meet so many decent people. That's in the dressing room, outside the dressing room. Um, you know the the supporters that Lee mentioned. There it was it was fantastic to to speak to them individually on the phone and um, just touch base and make sure they're okay. And um, like you say, it's, uh, it was a humbling experience. But um, we are we, we're, we're we're blessed to be at such a, a fantastic football club. Fantastic to hear. Um, Sai, Ronnie, I'm, I've gone through everything that I want to go through today. Um, we'll let these gentlemen go back to their, to their. Well, I was going to say busy lives. I mean, yes, busy, but not... Oh, Ronnie, go on. I just wanted to say one last thing, um, just to kind of cap it all off. I think 
for me personally, I've thoroughly enjoyed the season. I've seen some great quality football. And I think the team at the end and how we were playing, you know, we were flying. And it's kind of been cruelly taken away from us. There was some small blips. And that does provide some juicy talking points, which we'll inevitably go to. But uh, before, during and after games, enjoyed everything about it on and off the pitch. And, and like you said before, <clears throat> it gives a lot of people so much in our community. And yeah. we've built up a community which is which is tremendous. And next season, regardless of where we're playing with the team we've got on and off the pitch, I think I think we'll be flying. Yeah. I can't wait. I know it's it's pie in the sky at the moment, but whenever we do get back to football, which we inevitably will, of course, um, we're very, very much looking forward to it. So, Graham, Lee, um, we kind of thank you enough for joining us. Uh, it's a real coup in our eyes to get both of you on here together. Um, and we really appreciate the time you've taken to, to sit with us and, and, and chew the fat, as it were. Um, we hope supporters out there and we'll get something from this. You, you may think that we might have asked questions that we didn't today. And um, if that's the case, I'm sure we'll get around that at some point and put more questions. But on behalf of Ronnie, Simon and, and myself, uh, guys, thank you so much. And thank you for what you're continuing to do for our club. We wish you and your families well in the coming days and weeks and very much look forward to maybe you know, getting getting back to Mariners and uh, and chewing the fat with you face to face. We can't wait for that. So thank you very much, lads. It's absolutely our pleasure, Chris. And uh, yeah, you guys stay safe. We will. Cheers, thanks, thank thanks you. Chris. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, all the best, to all the all the fans, uh, all the Mariners out there, and uh, yeah, we we've really enjoyed the last uh, last couple of hours. And uh, yeah, I've done more than ninety minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All, all you've got to do is ask Chris. We'll, uh, we'll always, uh, we'll always accommodate. Fantastic, fantastic, lads. Really appreciate it. Uh, take care, and we shall hopefully see you very, very soon. So, on behalf of us all, all five of us, to all podcast listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this last, well, ninety minutes that we've put together for you. And um, we hope you all stay safe. And yes, one day we will see you again at Mariners Park. So for now, it's bye bye. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can see it. John Shaw.